Barbara. That's not rich people fucked up. That's just plain fucked up. Don't do that, Barbara. This is turning into a Bates Motel kind of thing, isn't it? Welcome to Unethical Podcast. I suppose the segue doesn't matter because we weren't recording though. Anyway, yeah, that's a really good point, Richard, because we're actually going to be talking about a baby, sort of. A son. Oh. A son Uh of a mother. Was this like last time when you were like, we're going to be talking about twins and we never talked about twins at all? We talked about twin adjacent. Twin, twin, twin murders. Like twin cities aren't really twins, but they're twins. You know, it's kind of the same. Right? It's like when your kid and your kid's best friend get the same haircut. They're twins, even though they're not actually twins. But if you ask them, they're for sure twins. It's true. Of course. So if we get if we get a, a 65-year-old man who likes to wear diapers, that's a baby. That's the same thing. I'm seeing a lot of no, but I'm cool with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I am willing to accept this. Okay. Yeah, oh. I mean... It's it is about a baby of a lady and her husband and a family, I guess you could say. Well, you would hope so. Where else would it come from? Yeah, it's a stork <laughs> stork factory. <laughs> the cabbage patch. Oh, uh, uh, clonade, clonade. Oh, of course. That I, yeah, I'm following up on the clonade thing. I found the baby, yeah. and I'm going to tell you a story <laughs> about that baby. The baby super powered. I knew it. Those fuckers. No. All right. No. Hot though. Yeah, that'd be cool. Clonade would definitely turn some heads if uh, if it's not it a baby anymore, out. Christy. Don't be weird. Yeah, it's probably like I can't remember how long ago that was, but it was. It'd be old enough now to for its powers to have manifested. So it'd be around our age because it was in the eighties. No, that was like no. in like the early two thousands, I think. Oh, so it'd be like out. Been a be while like Aaron's ago. age then, in the twenties. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like I still, said, hot. A person born in two thousand is twenty-two now, which is pretty crazy. No, to think about. no, they're like five. Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> I at stand-up shows, I stop asking what your people were born in because it fucking pisses me off. Two thousand three, mm-hmm. like, get the fuck out of my stand-up show now. <laughs> yeah, you're a baby. <laughs> you're a child. But they're old enough to drink. I watched. Oh, no, I watched the Twin Towers fall. What have you done? Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I survived Y2K and then watched the Twin Towers fall. What yeah. have you done? Yeah. Well, baby. Oh, you watched mm-hmm. little John go to jail. No one gives a fuck. Yeah, no one gives a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Hell, even I tell people I was born in 1996 and they look at me the same way. They're like, child. Fuck, you were born in 1996? I was I was 16. Sixteen. I thought you were sixteen in nineteen fifty-four when we're talking about Hoffa. Seventeen. We're talking about Summerton Man. I got seventeen. I'm confused. 
<laughs> That's fucked. That's <laughs> fucked. Thanks, mate. <laughs> you look great. Yes. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that is accurate. For the record, I'm okay with everybody who was born after 2000. Like you do you. I'm fine with it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm okay my, with oh, being almost 30. Oh, I, All of what? my children were born after two well Erin was born December of 99 so she counts as a 2000 baby yeah you know what they're our future so we should be encouraging these yeah millennial babies go out there and get a trade job you know we need some uh welders electricians just for the record I'm a millennial baby no like a millennium I'm millennial too technically yeah me too apparently 1980 no, to 19 whatever i no but i'm talking like millennium people born in the new millennium zillennials so is that what they call them yeah for their generation yeah yeah i don't know i don't gotta understand the generation thing they just go like they pick a year and they go new generation and everyone's like okay i guess so <laughs> <laughs> it's there's no rhyme or reason if it was like every 20 years i'd be like okay cool but it's not it, like some of them are like the greatest generation is like 14 years or something or 24 years or something. And then like, I don't know, those like 10 year ones, six year gaps. It all depends like what's happening during those times. Right. All depends yep. which Buzzfeed article you're reading. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's it. These guys are from the baby boomer generation. Oh, okay. Boomer. Okay. Boomers. <laughs> <laughs> I think I actually don't know when the baby boomer generation is. So right after the worst would be like 44 to like 60, maybe. So he, yeah. he is, the son is a baby boomer. I don't know. My parents are boomers. That's all I know. My parents were born in 1959. 59. Yeah. My, my dad's 59. You're born in 1959? My, yeah. My dad's 59 and my mom's 61. Yeah. I don't know. I'm all kinds of confused. Um, I'm just going to start the story now. Okay. So <laughs> okay. <laughs> We segue good, guys. This is radio magic. Nailed it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know how to explain this one. I'm just going to go. Barbara Daly was born September 28th, 1921 in Boston, Massachusetts. Her mother, Nini, had a history of mental health issues and erotic behavior including a nervous breakdown requiring hospitalization a few years before Barbara was born. And her father, Frank Daly, struggled with depression, but he was a devoted father and very loving husband to the family. However, he committed suicide in 1932 after the stock market crash left him unable to provide for Nini and Barbara. Yeah. Frank... Uh sabotaged his exhaust pipe and door locks to make it look like an accident when he died from carbon monoxide inhalation in his car so nini and barbara would be able to collect the life insurance um i believe this was confirmed later when either nini or barbara admit that the exhaust pipe and locks had both been fine the day before barbara was 11 at the time i wonder how many people like tried to do that and how much strain that put on insurance at the time like, I wonder if a lot of people even got their insurance payouts because that must have been a fucking attempt all the time. I, yeah, no joke. I think the earlier in the 30s, the more likely it is. But like the later it got, it was probably just like, no. yeah, <laughs> no. you're not getting 
dick, sorry. Okay, so Nini and Barbara used the life insurance to move to New York City, where they took up residence in the Delmonico Hotel. The remainder of Barbara's childhood was uh, rife with struggle as the two both had mental health issues. They had trauma from the death of Frank. And Barbara was terrified of ending up a basket case like Nini, so she spent her free time and money seeking out the help of therapists and psychiatrists, uh, none of which would be uh, any help during this time in history when we were incredibly ill-equipped to handle mental health issues. I was going to say, that's pretty progressive for like the 30s, 40s mm. to go to a psychiatrist. Wow. They just go like, lobotomy, you're on your, your rags, like whatever they said back then, you're on your monthlies, <laughs> you know, like go home. Yeah, probably Women's gave her a vibrator issues. and sent her on her way. I was like, just come more. <laughs> like, it's good advice. <laughs> I mean, that, that used to be a solution. <laughs> yeah. That is a fine solution anytime. <laughs> Can't tell you how many problems <laughs> that have just gone away. So, yeah, anyway, she didn't find any kind of solace because these people didn't really treat mental health issues. They just treated rich people being sad. Yeah. You know, whiskey. They treated <laughs> affluenza. Ah, yes. Our old friend affluenza. That's right. Mm-hmm. Do you know who I am? I'll get you out of this. So Barbara and Nini would eventually find some semblance of comfort in life uh, because Barbara's most valuable asset in glamorous 1940s New York economy was her universally recognized, absolutely stunning beauty. Hmm. Uh huh. Like me. Mm, yeah exactly (laughs) so nini spotted her daughter's blossoming good looks early and groomed her from a very young age to serve one purpose marry the richest man possible like me (sighs) again (laughs) absolutely oh god i miss that rich man Oh, Richardist. You meant Richardist man possible. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Right. As Barbara grew into a woman, she made quite the impression amongst New York's elite with her fiery red hair, her good looks and her charm. People were taught, they'd say that she had uh, these beautiful dark eyes. She had big brown eyes, which apparently were like very desirable at the time, uh, which is bizarre to me. Um, not that there's anything wrong with brown eyes. It's just like, would maybe the culture was just so like, it's all black and white. I just don't get it. So she was invited to many high status parties and quickly became a fixture in the modeling industry, getting regular work modeling for Vogue, Harper's Bazaar, and many successful painters in New York. I'm starting to think that you're doing an episode on me here. All right, Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> Were you able to find any pictures of her? Like, or do pictures of her exist? Mm-hmm. She actually, she's very, she was very well known in New York. Uh, so I kept seeing reference to her being named one of uh, New York's 10 most beautiful girls, but I have no idea what publication this was in, if any. It was referenced in like every article, but I have no idea who said this originally. Buzzfeed. It's weird how women were called girls in context like that to me. It's like just world's most beautiful girls is like 10 leggiest gals. Gals is even different. Like girls just sounds like like that's like like the honey boo boo area of life (laughs) or like John Benet Ramsey. You know what I mean? It's like kids. Sounds like children to me. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Women. Yeah, not then. They were all girls then. What's Mm -hmm. up, girl? You. 
so she was very highly desired by men in her peer group. She dated many suitors before she met her husband and the father of her only child, Brooks Bakeland. Brooks and Barbara were introduced by Brooks's sister, Cornelia Dickie Bakeland, an actress who met Barbara at her very first screen test. Now, Barbara or Dickie is a woman, and therefore I would like to petition Richard right fucking now to rename Newt <laughs> to Dickie so that you can have the private dicks mascot. I tried. Okay. The kids would go for it. Sarah yeah, but now we it. have proof. We have um what the fuck is the legal term for it? We have precedent. Precedent. Yeah. But I mean, also, what's her real name? Cornelia? Yeah. Yeah, it go it doesn't really change to Dickie. It's like uh, it's like <laughs> me we could go like Newt Dickie Stoodle. Like we can throw it as mm. like what's close as Cornelia is, you know? I will accept that. <laughs> <laughs> but i want it on the collar (laughs) (laughs) i want a newt dickie stoodle (laughs) so barbara had aspirations to become a star of the silver screen but she was really not a very good actress and her work ethic was fleeting at best like elizabeth short are very good friends yes i guess there are two now yeah (laughs) who needs work ethic or to actually be an actor when you're that fucking beautiful though just take yeah tell that to elizabeth short she needs it she's there, <laughs> there are uh, every hot girl in the midwest has moved to hollywood thinking they're going to be star because they're hot it's that's not uh, a real thing yeah that's not how that works that's not how that, i wish yeah. like like for the hot girl's sake who thinks that i wish that was true but now nah, you got to be talented and hot i'm sorry it just sucks yeah. and even just talented works too sometimes but talented and hot needs if not talented at the very least like willing to work really fucking hard yeah yeah i'm, I'm like trying to think like does just hot work sometimes kim kardashian really? you need lots of money too you know what i mean yeah. yeah but they're only famous because of oj to a point yeah their dad was a olympic runner too like I mean, I get, yeah, I guess so. But it was like Rob Kardashian and then Bruce Jenner, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that really had nothing to do with her. Even though they claim they work hard, they made their own wealth. I actually don't disagree with that. They do work hard. Imagine having to look camera ready 24 (laughs) All the time. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. I don't want to live that life. That's for sure. There'd be a fucking noose tied in my room at all times. Like, is it the day today? (laughs) Am I doing it today? No? All right. (laughs) Uh, At the time, Brooks was a trainee pilot with the Royal Canadian Air Force. Represent. Nice. Nice. And low-key heir to the Bakelite Plastics fortune. Do you guys know what that is? You know what Bakelite Plastics is? I don't know. Yeah. Nope. Cool. Because I suppose it was invented when you were like, what, five, six? I guess so. I don't even know what it Mm -hmm. is, so. All my toys were made out of it. Bakelite was the brainchild of chemist Leo Bakelite, Brooks's grandfather, who in 1907 combined carbolic acid and formaldehyde to invent the first reliably moldable plastic. Oh, seems cool. very useful. Seems actually very like uh, something that we all used. Yeah, groundbreaking. Something we all use now. Yeah. Yeah, Bakelite was soon adopted into literally thousands of industries, making Leo an indescribably wealthy man. He eventually sold the company to Union Carbide at the beginning of World War II for a very, very tidy sum that would last for generations. That's the goal, man. Get as much as you can. Make sure your family can live on forever. Mm-hmm. Some people are creepy with it, though. Some people are go a little far. Yeah, let's mm-hmm. talk about how creepy people get with it. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. 
Oh, I hate rich people. Barbara was uh, undoubtedly surprised that she'd never met this influential heir before at any of the lavish parties that she attended literally always. But Brooks was said to hate high society parties, meaning that Barbara would soon have proven incredibly dull to him. Uh, make no mistake about Brooks Bakeland. This was not a trust fund baby attempting to make something of himself in the Air Force or otherwise. Uh, he was intelligent, lazy, entitled, and had an insatiable taste for all things extravagant. He just didn't like people. Gross. Yeah. He was I once quote. Now we're talking about me. <laughs> now the story. <laughs> I don't know. I was going to say. Dad, like, I like being slapped around a little bit, and we've got Chrissy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you said he had extravagant tastes and he obviously was a rich weirdo. So I'm not, well, minus the money, we're talking about me. So so you're just a weirdo. Like all that other stuff is not actually yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. If I had the money, I'd be called eccentric. But because I've got no money, I'm an absolute, I'm just a weirdo. I feel so. you. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. I've been called eccentric and a weirdo. So I guess, I guess I'm in there. And I do have expensive taste, so it throws me in there. Fuck. Barbara. <laughs> Everyone thinks I'm very normal. <laughs> I think I'm normal, kind of. No, I said everyone thinks I'm normal. Uh, yeah. Right. Yes, they do. <laughs> Brooks was once quoted to say he had, quote, fuck you money. That means I need not please or seek to please anyone. Hell Yeah yes that is that is the goal like that literally is made that'd be amazing just to just not have to mm-hmm. ever be under anyone's thumb oh god yeah fuck you money is the goal for sure yeah, yeah. Fuck, you can't park awesome. here yeah. fuck you i'm rich yeah i'll park here and pay the fine with a smile on my face honestly the two could not have been more poorly suited for each other uh but brooks was rich and that's really all barbara wanted and barbara was hot which is really all brooks wanted cool and young He's young too, ah. not as young as her. Okay. Wait, what's what's the age gap? Or are you? You know, I don't actually that? know. I don't know when he was born, but oh, okay. it's not a significant age gap. It's like five or six years. Oh, okay. Yeah. Pretty much about all they had in common was that they would both boast careers that they never had. Uh, they would rent houses with applications that read Brooks Bakeland writer and Barbara Bakeland painter, even though neither one of them could write nor paint. Well, you know, that's all like. If she paints a picture and he buys it from her, she's now a professional painter. And if he writes down stuff, he's a writer. It's just like, you know what I mean? Like you could, you could say you're a writer all you want, write all these poems or whatever the fuck else. Nothing ever gets sold or, but I'm a writer. You could, those are very generic things to call yourself. You know, like that's not a very hard stretch. I We call ourselves writers. We're just regurgitating like murder stories. You know what I mean? Like, I guess we're writers. <laughs> da, well, that was, that's what I was going to say is we're writers in a sense that we have to write episodes sure. and stuff, you know, like writers, producers, uh, public personalities. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's definitely a lot that goes with it. We could we could say all that stuff and not be lying. Like, right. Yeah. Brooks and Barbara married quickly, uh, allegedly as a result of Barbara claiming a false pregnancy to secure the marriage. Oh, God. Which is always fun. By all accounts, Brooks was quite the looker himself, and the two were a picturesque couple of wealth, beauty, extravagance, and they traveled the world meeting celebrities. Two that were mentioned often was, I guess, they were pretty close with Greta Garbo and uh, 
Tennessee Williams. Oh, I don't know who the fuck would want to be friends mm. with Tennessee Williams. Uh, KKK members. Yo, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they're American, right? Just so I'm clear on this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they like to meet celebrities and with celebrities, they enjoy drinking, slamming rails of cocaine and doing weird sex stuff. And this sexual experimentation. Are you muted? No. <laughs> no, it's just you're still talking about me. Oh, uh, okay. Right. <laughs> Rails of cocaine and weird sex stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> We're going to stop talking about you now. The sexual experimentation eventually led to several extramarital affairs, and the hedonistic chaos took a toll on Barbara's mental health. Her behavior became more erratic and unpredictable and it strained the relationship between Barbara and Brooks and honestly, Barbara's relationship with just about everybody else. Barbara apparently made quite an ass of herself at dinner parties, drinking to excess, having emotional unprovoked outbursts. One friend of theirs recalled that at a dinner out, Brooks joked with a friend that for a million dollars, he would sleep with the next woman that walked in the door. And Barbara responded by saying, if that's how you feel, then I'll sleep with the first man who comes along in a car. And she got up, ran out into the street, flagged down the first car with a man driving it, and jumped in. Oh, wow. There was that four guy... dudes in the car, actually. So. Oh. <laughs> oh. High risk. High risk for orifices. Yeah. How fucking ballsy, though. Like, in at this point, like, the, the 40s, right? Not like... ballsy. Insane. This woman is fucking nuts. This is, I love it, yeah. though. I love how insane this woman is. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. You won't love it soon, I promise. Oh, no. She's not a good person. Yeah, she was fine. She ended up coming home like a couple hours later and she was like, my bad. (laughs) (laughs) She's a walking bow-legged. I'm sorry. (laughs) My bad. She didn't do anything. They were just kind of like, what the fuck? And like dropped her off on the next street. (laughs) Okay, I thought she was like, no. She, I've seen I've seen uh, some videos, uh, documentaries, I believe, on the subject of picking up girls on the side of the street. So I wasn't sure if. Uh... No, I've seen those documentaries, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on another occasion, they were on a skiing trip in Switzerland and Barbara got fucking hammered. And uh, upon noticing that the moon was full, ran outside across the snow in her bare feet and just howled at the moon drawing a ton of nice. attention to herself <laughs> i'm not gonna lie and say i haven't done that before so yeah you're not a social you are love this woman <laughs> <laughs> you're the kind of person that would do that you know see i yeah. love the fact that she is a socialite doing all of this like the opposite of what socialites should do that's what i want to fucking see she's, yeah she's like <laughs> almost like a pet fascination among like her rich friends i think i think they just like they're they're like this is rebellious and stepping outside of like what my parents would be respectful or what my parents yeah. would tolerate but in a safe way you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah they're like let's just ply this one with drinks and watch her go because she's gonna do something what happens yeah yeah we need some of our socialites doing this kind of stuff though spice it up a bit you know (laughs) yes Uh, i'd like to see like (laughs) paris hilton the top of one of her hilton buildings just (laughs) (laughs) 
celebrities now spice it up too much they spice it up to the point they get arrested they like commit crimes and shit it's like no that's not that's not what we want that's true right i mean if 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 barbara was modern she would have had a sex tape and if paris hilton was alive back then she would have howled at the moon right barbara and uh brooks's peers would joke behind their back that the two should never have children that they should let those crazy genes die with barbara in fact when barbara's ex-therapist foster kennedy found out that barbara had married the bakelite plastics heir he was quoted as saying quote god forfend that they have a child (laughs) but have children they did yeah it has been speculated that Barbara became pregnant with their only child, Anthony Bakelin, to try and save the marriage, which I suppose for a time it did, but it was a marriage that probably should not have been saved. Anthony Bakelin was born August 28th, 1946. You know what's going to make us hate each other le- more or less is is having a screaming thing that doesn't let us sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Having a thing that reminds us both of the worst parts of ourselves. Let's have that thing run around. Yep. Yeah, but that's not how rich people see kids, right? They see kids as like an opportunity to like mold them into what they think their idealized versions of themselves are and then parade it around. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Or or like or like if you're a royal family, just to like get another throne, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Here's your cousin. Yeah. Aaron Aspire. I've never heard that phrase before. What heir and a spare? Yeah, they were always like, "Every you all must have at least two children because if the first one dies, then you you still got the throne with the second one." Oh yeah, I guess so, right? So that's why they always had like five million children because they all died. Well, the queen only has the two, right? No. What the queen that just died? She's got four kids. Oh, and then Princess Diana, I guess, like died pretty early, so she didn't have time to have more than two. Yeah, she had two. But yeah, there's Charles, Andrew, Edward, and Anne. Mm. And doesn't she have like two like slap the tray cousins that they like hide away in an asylum or something? Or sisters? <laughs> Queen Elizabeth? <laughs> pretty sure she I, pretty sure she does. I don't know. I just I fucking hate them also. I I don't Margaret no, um Elizabeth only had one sister, Margaret. No, I'm pretty sure she had more. Yes. <laughs> Maybe they were like the under the stairs yes, <laughs> hidden exactly. under the stairs a clutch of a clutch of lizard eggs have like four or five right so exactly. yeah, it's probably hard to, to just have one if you're a lizard illuminati My, uh, <laughs> this high society sex weird lives is so like you just have everything and then you start doing weird shit it's so like so weird to watch i wish yeah i wish it'd be a documentary where it follows someone from like super loaded person from like a young life and just watch all the crazy shit they have to deal with in a day I, i'd like to see that honestly it's like i know they have that show billions or whatever and i find it very interesting to watch that with the like or no it's uh not billions succession it just has an interesting like they're just a big rich family trying to vie for like the the throne and they just they just have to keep doing weirder and weirder stuff because life doesn't have any like any meaning because they can just buy every single thing they want and that's why they just keep doing weirder and weirder things because nothing else means it's the porn thing you have to watch weirder and weirder porn to be able to finish yeah so i'm convinced the queen had the corgis eating her pussy all the time you know she's done with the dungeon that's for the plebs again i i don't think it's all the time i think she would (laughs) have done it once or twice that it would have gotten boring that's why she got new corgis 
What? She's got new corgis. She's All got corgis, new corgis. The, they eat pussy the same. I guarantee. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, okay. Uh, I'll have to trust you on that one. Uh, I don't have any corgis, <laughs> but I theorize. <laughs> Maybe she just switched breeds of dogs. You know, like I imagine that mastiffs are different she wouldn't than even corgis. Have to switch breeds of dogs, man. She's the queen. She could get whatever the fuck she wants <laughs> to eat her pussy. That's true. <sighs> That's a lot of nights out there. Anyway, where are we at here? Okay. By all accounts, uh, Anthony Bakelin was charming, intelligent, and a very handsome little boy. During childhood, Anthony excelled in many ways, and his parents believed that he would become very successful. They they boasted that he would become a, a, a very successful polo player, a painter, a writer, all the bullshit that they pretended they were. Uh, nothing with any actual like skill, like not skill, but like nothing with actual work, right? Nothing you have to build up to just like, I am naturally good at these things. And this is what I am going to be successful at because I'm rich, right? Classic plastic tycoon attitude. (laughs) These plastic Plastic tycoon. tycoon. (laughs) Yeah, for real. So, uh, friends of the family would say there was something off about Antony. He was paraded around like a prize-winning hog at a county fair. Uh, For example, when he was very young, they were so proud of him being able to read that they had him read aloud from a book of erotic writings for their party guests. Uh, I know, weird choice, but okay. They're like, look how big the words are in this. Phallus. Autoerotic asphyxiation. Well, they're having their son read these things at dinner parties. Oh. That's weird. Yeah, it is weird. It is weird. But rich people are fucking weird. Like it was weird when I read uh, Fifty Shades of Grey on the internet for an audition. I can't imagine a child doing that. Like I was weirded out doing it. You know. Right. Imagine your parents forcing you to do that shit. I'd be so mad at my parents. I wouldn't do it. But you can't get worse. You can't just be like, "Fuck you, mom and dad." Like he internalized all that shit, man. He did whatever they wanted. Wow. Because they never paid attention to him, right? them asking him to do things is just paying attention to him and that's all he wants is just like mama daddy pay attention to me come to my polo game you know all right i'll read your erotic uh fiction yeah right (laughs) but uh anthony was very quiet he was very anxious and he was the kind of kid that pulled the wings off houseflies to see how it would affect their balance when he thought no one was watching And he also liked to draw pictures of eviscerated human bodies, drawings which Barbara was oddly proud to dust off and pass around at her dinner parties. And and this became something that his father really nurtured in him because uh, as he got older, his focus shifted from de-winging insects to dissecting small animals. And from the flies to the drawings to the rodents, Brooks praised it all as scientific talent. It's like Jeffrey Dahmer shit. Isn't it? Yeah, it's very Dahmer-esque. Uh, Rich Dahmer would be... Imagine Dahmer had lots of money. He would have been a nightmare. Oh, my God. So many places to store bodies. He could oh, put one on the other side of the house. No one would smell it. This house would be so big. You wouldn't have neighbors. No one would smell it ever. That's true. Man, he, he could still be going. Well, he'd be old, but... Although, money. Yeah, money, and then cops already didn't give a fuck. You know what I mean? Imagine him with a wad of cash, plus cops don't give a fuck. That's rich Dahmer so far, uh, from what I hear right now. Honestly, I'm pretty sure all rich people are serial killers. They just have like a, a market for it, right? So it's all very well hidden and taken care of. So 
they never get caught. Yep. Mm-hmm. They have a steady stream of victims coming in from wherever the fuck, Thailand. Yeah, I mean, that's what Epstein Island was when you think about it. It was just rich people being able to sexually abuse young people. Miners, yeah. 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 I'm sure it's an industry among the rich. And nobody has gotten prosecuted for that. Like, Shock. anybody on Ep- Epstein's list, nobody's faced charges. Like, Epstein died. Ghislaine faced some charges. But then... They swept it under the rug. They got a woman for all the sex charges, so that's good. Uh, they finally got a woman, uh, took her out for that. Uh, no, don't worry about all the guys. That woman did all the bad things. Yeah. So it's the Perfect. one thing, like, I, I don't, I, I know way too much about that. Listen way too much. That's the one thing that bugs me is, like, Ghislaine is, like, definitely evil as shit. She's yes. not more evil. She's not more evil than everybody else that went there. You know what I mean? No. Like, come on. They're all the same level of fucking evil. And they get, but, they, but the thing is, it's like society just jams it down the woman's throat. Like that, come mm-hmm. on, man. Ugh. Anyways, she wasn't even, she was bringing them to them. I'm going to say she was luring, but she wasn't yes. committing the acts. I don't like, she was uh, oh. around for like one or two of them in the same room or something, but I don't think she was doing a uh, Prince Andrew full-blown, like, I don't sweat when I rape fucking ordeal. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Rich people are fucked. Anyway. Anthony's anxiety and awkwardness were uh, no doubt exacerbated by the nomadic lifestyle the family led. Uh, They frequently jumped from apartment to apartment all over the world, uh, from New York to Paris to Switzerland, where Brooks and Barbara would socialize on a yacht by day and have 11 course dinners until midnight, while Anthony was nowhere in sight, according to their friends. Um, One acquaintance remembers uh, young Anthony playing on the beach alone, catching crabs and pulling them apart while his parents got day drunk on wine with friends a hundred yards away and they didn't care. They're catching crabs in a different way. The parents. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good. Anthony would be shipped off to some new remote boarding school regularly, uh, completely cut off from Barbara, who when Anthony was home was smothering and codependent and also simultaneously neglectful. And it was actually a boarding school that Anthony had his first homosexual encounter with a 14 year old boy when he was eight. Ooh. Oh. Yeah. Is that really a homosexual oh. encounter? Just like a he, rape? He, he considers it a homosexual oh, okay. encounter. Apparently he doesn't see that as he was victimized, but a lot of victims don't, right? Mm. Yeah. When he was home, he was exposed to a very volatile relationship between Barbara and Brooks. Brooks and Barbara fought incessantly, most often about the parade of affairs that Brooks was having. Uh, Barbara was no saint. She was having her affairs too, but uh, Brooks was what everybody called tomcatting. He would just fuck anything that moved. And they fought about like stupid things, like Brooks not wanting to go to the same restaurant she did. There was one occasion where Barbara became so enraged that Brooks disagreed with her about where to eat for dinner that he had to pin her to the bathroom floor with his foot to stop her from like clawing his eyes out. And she bit his calf sinking her teeth as deep as they would go wow there was like an interview with him uh in a book that was his the language he uses to describe her is so like just weird and old-fashioned he's like she's she's like an uncontrollable tigress she was she was always pumped up with adrenaline like he never says a cross word about her but also describes her as fucking unhinged it's hmm. very weird and interesting. 
1963, Brooks fell in love with the daughter of an English diplomat who was 15 years younger than him. And uh, he told Barbara that he was leaving her. Barbara, as I don't know, insane women tend to do, staged a suicide attempt. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Of course. So of course. Uh, it worked. And he, he broke it off with her because he was like, he said, I can't have a murder on my conscience, which I guess he equated her killing herself if he left to murder which is weirdly like that's like honor but he's not a very honorable person i feel like that's pumped in his head from his parents though like Maybe. i feel like that's like if i you're gonna kill me because i'm gonna kill myself it's like what what yeah weird but he mm. broke it off with the i don't know infant that he was dating <laughs> that's probably for the best <laughs> yeah probably uh, when Barbara returned home from the hospital, she wanted to prove to Brooks that she was still attractive to other men. And so she took up a relationship with a Spanish physicist. This did not quite go the way that she had planned. Brooks offered her a sizable allowance if she agreed to divorce Brooks and marry Senor Guipo, the science people. <laughs> so, so weird. I, I bet you I could go pick up that nerd. Like, yeah, you can. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, right. Scientist Grippo wasn't fucking slaying the ladies. <laughs> like, relax. Go pick up a movie star. Go do that. Then yeah. you can prove you're hot still. Yeah. Well, instead, she was like, no, I dumped him. He he can't park a car properly and he has weird feet. I did his pocket protector. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, dating a physicist, I can see why she did that. It probably would have pissed brooks off if he was still in love with her which he very much wasn't he had started his phd in physics um, and then he dropped that and took up writing because he couldn't hack him so i think that that would piss him off mm -hmm. an actual successful physicist if he gave a shit but he doesn't give one fuck about her yeah, yeah gotcha see now that makes more sense why she's going out for the man skis for that yeah. guy specifically yeah Less to show that she's hot, more to be like, fuck you, stupid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like, the smart yeah. guys, the smart, successful physicist wants me. I can go get the version of you you wanted to be. Exactly. <laughs> Why don't you go make some out of plastic, loser? You know? <laughs> <laughs> As no surprise to anybody, I think Anthony developed the very same mental health disturbances and that had plagued his mother and his grandmother. Mm -hmm. And he displayed extremely paranoid, anxious behavior. And I think that's a combination of he inherited the same, you know, mental structure as his, his family. And also because his childhood was a fucking nightmare. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't sound like a cakewalk. No, I mean, that's just it, right? I mean, you say like, oh, rich kids have it so easy. Like kids, they understand the value of money, but not to the same extent, man. Like rich kids often don't have, have it easy. They're super fucking neglected. I guess, but I mean, like not starving or they're watching their parents like OD in a fucking bathroom or something, like maybe, but like, yes and no. I'm not going to go and give them like, there's kids with way worse lives than this guy. Okay, like- way worse like getting ripped away from your parents and living in foster home i don't know man what you can you can debate it is it better for a child to have a crackhead mom that loves the shit out of him or is it better for a child to have all the money in the world but a mom that's completely disinterested sure i just i feel like like the kid that like watches mom do crack at night and like 
has to feed himself has a harder time than the kid who gets food brought to him and has to deal with his mom not being around. Those two things don't feel the same to me. That's just me. I'm just saying like that doesn't feel. Yeah. It's like not a real struggle, though. It's like a kid struggle versus like an actual struggle. Yeah. But I mean, having absent parents affects you your whole life. Sure. But like watching your mom like OD in front of you also does in a way worse way, in my opinion. I'm just saying my opinion. They're both extremes, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's different at different extremes, but there's like a a middle ground that's healthy and and results in well-adjusted people. Rich people are never well-adjusted, ever. People who are born into wealth. I think the plebes aren't the well-adjusted ones and they're the only well-adjusted ones, but that's just my rich parents talking. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> when Anthony was a child, friends and family encouraged Barbara and Brooks to hire a therapist for Anthony because of the whole like pulling wings off stuff and drawing corpses and, you know, boys will be boys, etc. And Brooks felt that it was, quote, morally something, something. I saw the quote in an article and I tried to go look for it. And then I couldn't find the article. And I was like, I'm not reading them all again. But he thought it was dumb and bad. Oh, okay. (laughs) So when Anthony was old enough to be left alone at home while his parents traveled and fought with each other, he began bringing boys his age home for sexual rendezvous. But it wasn't until 1966 that Barbara and Brooks discovered their son was in a romantic relationship with an Australian man named Jake Cooper. And I'm sure you can imagine how they reacted to that. An Australian. (laughs) Accurate. (laughs) On you, Jake. (laughs) On you, Coops. This would have been, you said it's the 60s. So no wonder he hated therapy. It would have been just like, you want to fuck your mom? And he's like, I'm gay as shit, dude. I'm not going to fuck my mom. Like, okay. Yeah. Sure. You don't want to fuck your mom. Would have been like super Freudian, right? Uh, Oh, hold that thought. stop no (laughs) i hate when i get it right i do this all the time i don't want it to get it right okay jake was like this bisexual hippie cult leader that lived on an abandoned farm and he had all this toadies and he gave everyone drugs and the two had apparently met while anthony was visiting morocco sorry is he running a cult that sounds like a cult kind of kind of <laughs> like a cult, but he doesn't really take anything from anybody okay he's like a megalomaniac he's... he's just like i don't know he just has like a band of druggies that he supplies he's just aussie like... mate he's just aussie and everyone's just like yeah Cool. Yeah, I was gonna say that, <laughs> that sounds like nightlife in australia is what is i was gonna say australia <laughs> a cult <laughs> I'll show this. <laughs> Invisible cult. That's the season three mystery clincher at the end. <laughs> it's a great conspiracy theory to start because people will jump all over it. We just got to like, make it good. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> a concerned friend of um, Anthony's called Barbara and told her that she had seen Jake and Anthony eating Belladonna or deadly nightshade together which is a hallucinogenic plant but also can fucking kill you Mm -hmm. upon hearing this barbara drove from switzerland to spain to drag her deviant son home by the ear Mm -hmm. causing quite a scene as she stuffed him into the back of the car uh ranting and raving like a lunatic and he was 20 years old by the way oh wow yeah yeah it's like yes these parents sound terrible but like 
not super terrible. Like your mom's going to drive across the country of uh, fucking Europe to go get you. I don't know. There's some care in there. Yeah. No, there's care. There's care. Apparently when they reached the French border, Anthony realized that he didn't have his passport. He forgot it. And the two spent a, a very awkward evening in jail after Barbara got all rabid with the border officials. <laughs> Allegedly upon being left in the cell, Barbara said, quote, here you are, darling, at last manacled to mummy. Ooh, that's that's getting creepy. Basically, after this discovery and the whole being in jail debacle, Brooks, who had already spent much of the marriage with one foot out the door, filed for divorce in 1968 after meeting another woman. Barbara and Anthony had also met this woman. Anthony had met her at school and Barbara had met her when Anthony said he was bringing his girlfriend home to visit one weekend. Her name was Sylvie. And uh, Barbara eagerly welcomed her into the home, relieved that Anthony's weird gay phase was behind him. <laughs> and uh, she made every effort to keep Sylvia around and invite her to everything, working tirelessly to convince her to marry Anthony. Little did she know, Sylvia was eager to be around, not because she was smashing the sun, but because she was having an affair with her husband. Whoa. So. That's not cool, stealing your son's girlfriend. I've seen some documentaries on this too. Um, <laughs> I've seen those same documentaries. It's, it's research, research. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Yep. yeah. Lots of it. No, there's lots. a lot of documentaries about, about this, this case. A lot of them. A lot. I, I, I'll send lots. you the links. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll put all these links like, in the description. I don't want the any notes. links. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, no, but like, I mean, they're never mind. Okay, so um, (laughs) uh, when Brooks told Barbara about his affair and that he was leaving to be with Sylvie, uh, Barbara, in a last ditch effort to save the marriage, again, attempted suicide. And it wouldn't work this time because Sylvie was like, oh, yeah, two can play at that game and also attempted suicide. She was like, hey, you like crazy? Let me match that. (laughs) Oh, he won't leave you because you tried to kill yourself? Well, guess I'll have to try to kill myself. Yeah, Yeah. they they cancel each other out. That's how that works. That's how math works. It put Brooks in a position where he had to choose which woman he actually gave a shit about, you know, not killing themselves. And uh, it was not a hard decision. He very soon married Sylvie and uh, fathered his second child with her. Brooks had almost no contact with the family after this, but Sylvie later recalled that uh, they unknowingly ended up staying at the same resort in uh, Majorca. That's so that's so foreign to me that Majorca, that's like only where rich people go, guaranteed. It's one of those ones where like you yeah. you go to Costa Rica, <laughs> peasant. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that's where they go to hide from tax. It's a place they go for tax evasion. Sex, sex tourism mm-hmm. probably too. I don't actually know if Barbara found out that they were there or not, but Anthony did for sure. When he discovered that his dad was there, Anthony left a note for him on his unit or whatever that read, quote, please, daddy, come back to mummy. She's so unhappy. This is like a 22-year-old. Yeah, I was going to say, he'd be in his 20s. If Jack calls me mummy when he's 22, he's getting electroshock therapy. Just in... Make me think of Elvis. This month, mom, love. How you doing, love? Talking to his mom. It's weird. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't like it. I don't like it. After the divorce, uh, Barbara moved into a house with Anthony. And I guess that's, I 
like where the story begins really when we get into the why we're here today is this kind of this is turning into a Bates Motel kind of thing isn't it Mm, yeah only completely (laughs) (laughs) so uh brooks's reaction to antony's orientation was to give up on him entirely i don't want any relationship with my son anymore i have no son but barbara had no intention of leaving him this by no means meant she approved and she firmly believed that he was just sick or confused and that she could fix him oh so that's why you wanted me to not be gross okay What went on between the two behind closed doors is up for speculation, but Barbara apparently was not shy about telling her friends the lengths that she went to to cure her son of his proclivities. Uh, Reportedly, without Sylvie to keep him satisfied because she was too busy satisfying his dad, Barbara would hire escorts or encourage her cougar friends to sleep with Anthony in order to satisfy his sexual urges in a healthy heteronormative way. See, this sounds like the best mom of all time now. He's like <laughs> fucking pumping her up pretty good now. My mom never bought me one sex worker. Not one. <laughs> she never let me fuck one of her friends. Not yeah. one. This is bullshit. You know what? See, me neither, man. It's how the upper crust live. <laughs> so when no friends or escorts were available, she allegedly convinced him that the gay urges would return if he didn't release his pent up frustration with her oh god now as far as the cougar friends go just keep in mind antony was considered he was literally described by multiple people as an adonis he's a very good looking man um so i'm not surprised that her weird rich friends wanted to bone him but they're all like the super fucked up type of rich her on the other hand that's not even that's not rich people fucked up that's just plain fucked up yeah 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 again it's it's up for speculation allegedly before the divorce in what could have possibly been some super weird attempt to make him jealous or something uh barbara said to brooks that she could quote get tony over his homosexuality if she just took him to bed and her father or his father was pretty much like don't do that barbara and then that was it that was pretty much all he had to say about it when he left i don't put it past (laughs) you he doesn't laugh he just says come on barbara He just wags his finger. Don't do that, Barbara. Yeah. But I'm leaving you, so I don't give a fuck. This is reasonable deniability. (laughs) I am going to make a a plastic doll first. (laughs) The first of its kind. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Barbara. Barbara the doll. Yikes. On bikes. Anthony also apparently told a friend of his, his name was Alistair Reed, he was a poet, that he was, quote, fucking his mother. Um, I think he also said, I'm fucking my mother. I've I've completely lost control or I have no control over anything anymore, or something like that. Oh wow. You're a motherfucker, so that's it. <laughs> that's the joke. That's the joke. That's the joke. <laughs> and what's your point. I've seen that documentary. Yeah. <laughs> She's always they're usually stuck in like a washing machine or something. Or under the bed or in the window. So yeah. unrealistic. They're very yeah. clearly not stuck. Oh, they're stuck. Oh, I just have they're... to pull on your pants. Don't worry about they're... it. 
<laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Nothing. Just trying to get a grip. <laughs> oh my God. The unfiltered incest of their relationship is debatable, like I said, but uh, it is the most sensational aspect of this whole case. What is what is happening with your like your algorithm? You look up Christian for a month. I said I was going to get a reputation from this episode. <laughs> Did I not say that before he got here? <laughs> now I'm the incest guy, I guess. I'm just saying, like, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, saying you that did. You did say that. Your your algorithm is just popping up fucking incest stories now. Like Christian just fucked your algorithm. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying you have a <laughs> reputation. It's Facebook's fault. You know, or your Google. I had already fault. written part of the script before I started Christian. <laughs> <laughs> that and my 17 other incest stories. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Fine, I'll wait. Alleged, <laughs> alleged incest stories. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, and this is actually only my third. Relax. Okay. 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 <laughs> yeah. If you break down the psychology behind it, I. Yeah, I think if you look at how dependent she was on him after Brooks left and she was alone because she tried so hard to keep Brooks, right? She just, she can't be alone. I I think that she felt that if he would leave her, I don't find it too much of a stretch that she would do this. I really don't. Yeah, it's it's also like you said she was like just a plain Jane going into high society too. So she'd probably been in high society for a long enough time where she couldn't live out of it, you know, like that would be scary to a super loaded got into that like to someone who was always in the affluent lifestyle that would be breaking up just be normal you're going back into that but you feel like you're losing everything you know breaking up with brooks i bet you that was part of it like she didn't lose everything in the divorce at all he was so desperate for a divorce he basically gave her whatever she wanted she was still entitled to a portion of the bakeland bake bake light plastic fortune okay after they divorced so she never went back into middle class lifestyle or anything like that but i mean you you're right she did go from being like middle class to being high society yeah feel like you're gonna lose it any like even if you're getting all the crap anyway you know what it's like to be middle class you know what it's like to have to bump yourself down a class you know so i feel like holding on to brooks i, I could be wrong but i just from hearing this but like holding on to brooks is like a way of holding on to that status too right yeah, I mean, she doesn't want to be a divorced woman with money and a kid. You know what I mean? Like, that doesn't bode well in that era either, you know? Yeah. Yeah, which could explain a lot of things about why after the divorce went through, she started getting so nuts, right? She basically was, like, isolating herself, too, because she probably knew that she was kind of a laughing stock between friends that used to be her and Brooks's friends, right? Yeah. Yeah, she's getting some nuts for sure. Mm-hmm. I read something. I only read it in one article, so I didn't put it in here because I wasn't sure if it happened or not. But there was a thing where shortly after the divorce, she ended up falling for like, I don't know, some dude. And um, she was pretty confident that they were going to get married. And then he was like, nah, I'm not into it, dude. And then she like basically like slept outside of his house. So Sick. she's a little bit nutty. Sick. Yeah. Crazy girls. Crazy girls be crazy. They do though and at that point i'm sure she was like great nobody's gonna want to marry me again because i'm divorced and not even this guy that i thought loved me and i thought would marry me is wants any part of it yeah so i'm sure that took a toll on her confidence even though she's already nuts but <laughs> yeah, that doesn't make it any better 
she's in her 40s now her looks are starting to fade which is a huge huge trauma for people that are beautiful right yep it's not like people who are average where eh, oh well but if you're beautiful and suddenly you're not beautiful anymore that would literally be traumatic yeah you just got to move to like middle america rural uh parts <laughs> of the world where all you have left is single moms you know what i mean like that's all there is out there for the guys you can pick up whatever you want you could have got whoever you want barbara you're like stayed around <laughs> high society people she could have gotten joe dirt down the road that knows how to make a mean squirrel stew yeah exactly. damn right <laughs> Just come well, to Australia. That's be good fine. though, because like I mean, Anthony dissects them. What are you gonna do with them after? <laughs> <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> yeah, and then like you get a hillbilly guy that teaches your uh already kind of weird son how to hunt and do something with it, you know, then you've made it, you know, less weird. And everybody around you doesn't think anything of it because everybody hunts. I don't know. At the end of the day, she's like, nah, I'm just going to fuck him. <laughs> Barbara refused to let Anthony lead any kind of life outside of her. Um, out of fear, I think, a combination of fear that he would, you know, fall back into gay habits. And also a bigger fear that he would just simply not come back. Friends of Barbara's who visited the home said that Anthony would walk around in front of his mother and guests completely naked. That there were paintings of Barbara decapitated, strangled by snakes eviscerated and that there were photographs everywhere that Barbara had taken of Antony that were just not framed through the lens of a mother taking a photo of her son. They weren't nudes or anything but that being said there is an image that in my opinion is very clearly. So all Jeffrey Dahmer's grandma had to do was to sleep with him. Fuck him. Yeah. Instead of trying to get him to go to jail to church all the time yeah just suck his dick yeah would have saved everyone would have saved so many lives mm-hmm. if jeffrey Dahmer's crazy mom fucked him just jeffrey Dahmer's grandma instead of like coming in like come to church with me every week she just would have sucked his dick she was a fox his grandma oh yeah mm. i've grandma seen the documentary Dahmer. I've seen those documentaries too. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, like I was saying, there is an image that was in literally every single article and is like the first image that comes up when you look up Anthony Bakeland, and it is 100% child abuse material. Like, absolutely. It's very obviously a child in the bathtub. And she's taken this picture and it's it's creepy and very I don't understand how this was allowed in like every single article. That makes me super uncomfortable. I got uncomfortable. I was like, I'm going to go to fucking prison. Mm-hmm. There's different standards back then. Like I, I, a plate like the Playboy that has Brooke Shields in it. Apparently her mom gave a naked picture of Brooke Shields when she was like 10 and they put it in the <gasps> magazine and her like yeah like i i was reading like weird shit anyways it was one of the things i was like for real they put a naked 10 year old in playboy magazine and that flew off the shelves yeah disgusting 70s or something like that gross yeah anyway it's weird it is very weird but yeah so clearly that that lens wasn't just since brooks left that lens was always just very off-putting 
Yeah. Okay. So in addition to the very sickening sexual experimentation and the nauseating codependence, the household was also rife with violence. Uh, Many people said they witnessed Antony strike, push, restrain, choke, and attempt to kill his mother. In one altercation, Antony beat Barbara unconscious with a walking cane. And when her divorce divorce lawyer arrived and attempted to provide aid, he beat him unconscious too. Wow. But the most serious event that was witnessed occurred in early 1972. Anthony and Barbara were staying with a friend in Kensington Square. And when she arrived home after a day of socialite things, Anthony suddenly attacked her. Like, as soon as she walked in the door and took her coat off, Barbara was able to get free of him and run outside, but Antony caught a handful of her hair so forcefully, he tore a section of her scalp completely bald and bleeding. Oh my god. He used her hair to drag her into the street, and he attempted to throw her in the path of a passing car. But Barbara was able to save herself from this by grabbing onto the gate that led to the building. Frustrated, Antony began swinging the gate against her fingers hard enough to break her thumb in three places, and she refused to let go. So Antony releases her because she won't let go, and he runs back into the house. Uh, And he emerges shortly after with a very large carving knife, which he points at everybody passing by, screaming that they were going to, quote, get it. As he approached Barbara, the friend that they were staying with suddenly came running up the street to come help Barbara. And Anthony took off through the house and out the back door uh, until police were eventually able to locate him and arrest him for attempted murder. And lo and behold, Barbara refused to press any charges. After a very brief stay in a psychiatric hospital in South London, he was released back home to Barbara. Oh. Mm. I don't know how you're allowed to do that. Like, just not like, oh, he tried to stab me. But people do that all the time. Like, I'm not going to press charges. I thought that was against the law. You don't just get to pick the law because it happened to you, do you? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I don't understand how you're like, maybe like a fist fight, you know, like, cool, whatever. We we're just getting blowing some steam off. But like, dude, who's chasing me with a knife? That's got to be like, how can you just be like, nah, I'm good. Like, I know you could say that, but how can the cops go like, okay, well, they say he's good. <laughs> like, okay, I'm, I'll be gone. See you later. No, you, you can't. If, if somebody refuses to press charges, the state or province or whatever has the option to press charges. Yeah. And then it mm-hmm. becomes the state versus so-and-so instead of, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. In this case, he has money. So I imagine it'd be pretty easy to convince him not to. Okay, so Anthony was required to remain in psychiatric treatment on an outpatient basis after his arrest, and he was supposed to be on a strict pharmacological treatment regimen for his recently diagnosed schizophrenia. Mm. However, this was not enforced. Uh, On October 30th, 1972, Anthony's psychiatrist reportedly called Barbara and said, quote, your son is going to kill you. I think you are at grave risk. Barbara simply replied, quote, I don't, and hung up the phone. <laughs> okay. Hey, see, like that person's not this fucking clairvoyant. Like anybody can see it mm-hmm. at this point. Like this guy's gonna fucking kill you. But I guess but how many times have have mothers been like, "Not my son, mm-hmm. not my baby boy." He would never. Like I have <sighs> dated men who are shit bags, and their moms are like, mm-hmm. "No." He wouldn't hurt a fly. It's like you, mm, 
No. Minus the weirdo sexual relationship and the physical abuse, this is my mum and my brother's relationship to a T. Like, there is nothing, nothing my brother could do that my mum would not defend. Like, it is, yeah. Yeah, it's this weird thing with, like, moms and sons. Mm -hmm. It's it's weird. Yeah, Yeah, he also just ran after her with a knife and shit like that, like, there's a point where you're like, get scared, maybe, you know? But she's still like, no, he wouldn't do that. He wouldn't do that to me. I can guarantee you that's exactly the thought process she had. He wouldn't. That was do a that one time me. thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a one time thing 19 times. Yeah. yeah. I, I'll i just let him put it in my butt and say I'm a guy. It'll be good. He'll be fine. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because we have to remember they are fucking during this. Yeah. Too, oh, so. God. Yeah, weird. Anyway, so uh, in the following weeks, Anthony would attempt to blind Barbara by sticking a pen in her eye and twice came into a room Barbara was in with friends carrying a knife. Not my Tony, though. No, not my Tony. He would never. Um, Except he did. On November 17th, 1972, (laughs) 18 days after the call from the psychiatrist, Barbara spent the day with a friend of hers gushing about what a wonderful life she has with Anthony before coming home and being murdered. Anthony killed her with a single stab wound straight into her into her heart in the penthouse apartment that they shared in London. First responders on the scene said when they arrived, Anthony was on the phone ordering Chinese food, quote, completely unconcerned. Yeah, that sounds like a, so, or I bet you're going to tell me this later and I'm asking questions to get ahead, but did he like get her from the front? Did he just stab her? Just walk up to her and go, you're done? Sorry, I'm just, I, I have opinions either, like, if it happened different ways, I have opinions. No, we're, it's like right now. So once in oh, custody, okay. he admitted to doing it immediately. He didn't deny that he did it. He was like, yeah, I for sure did that shit. He said he had told his mother that he was inviting a friend over and she refused to let him, which led to a violent argument where Anthony began hitting her about the head and Barbara ran into the kitchen where Anthony followed her and grabbed a kitchen knife and plunged it into her heart. So it was in pursuit of her. So mm. in the back. Mm. But really like immediate like boom fatality. So you know how like it would be like a bajillion stab wounds if it was like heat of the moment passion, right? It was like very clinical the way that he did it. No, he's been practicing for this for a long time. He's he wanted to do this for a long time. And he knew exactly how to stab a uh, one stab and kill. Uh no, no doubt in my mind, he knew exactly where to take her out. Uh ordering chinese food after is the ultimate testament to that like it's my last meal or something you know like i'm gonna get something i like i'm done so did he did was he the one who called 911 or like how did the they cops... were arguing screaming right the neighbors called 911 uh, okay they lived in a apartment gotcha i have weird mixed feelings about if he actually intended to kill her i yeah. think that i i genuinely think in his mind he was just like he stabbed her and in that moment released so much like of his adrenaline or whatever that he just like felt really relieved and he was like okay i stabbed you you're gonna shut up now i'm gonna go get dinner go clean yourself up or whatever like i i don't know if he actually meant to kill her Hmm. i think he actually thought she would just like sort of slink off like when she had a pen in her eye and just be okay yeah no i I, just by what i've heard i feel like this is like Mom, this is the last time you say no to me because I'm going to fucking kill you. There is a reason I think this. Okay. Which we'll get to. Yeah. When the police ask, why did you do it? 
why'd you kill her? He said, quote, my mind was slightly wacky. I was very much under my mother's influence. I felt like she was controlling my mind. <laughs> I'm sorry, but slightly wacky is a wicked way of describing murderous. Like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> slightly wacky makes me think like, ooh, I bought like a, a fancy mojito at the restaurant. I was wacky tonight. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Not like fucking stab stabbing my mom someone in the heart. Yeah, that's it doesn't it's not a good descriptor. Your dad was the writer. Let him write. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony very clearly didn't show any remorse. And people who were there say he didn't even have any realization of exactly what he had done. Uh, while he was being held in Brixton prison, he would ask the people that came to visit him. And there were a lot. They still had pretty much all the same connections. I guess she had quite a reputation of just like being a lot because nobody seemed to really mind that he killed her. They were all just kind of like, I get it. <laughs> oh, that happened? Yeah, we will, we've been waiting for that. <laughs> They're like, meh, we could have thought about it too. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised you didn't kill her already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> her ex-husband's like, oh, thank God. Kid. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. Just everybody in the neighborhood, like, who had January 31st? Like, I did. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and a bingo card. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, toxic. But yeah, so people would come to visit him in prison a lot. And he would always ask them, how's mom? Oh. You know, like, I feel like maybe he, again, maybe he thought she was actually fine. She, he didn't mean to kill her. She's probably fine. Just like all the other times that I heard her. I, again, I don't know about that, but there is one more reason that I think that. Yeah. And I, it's not a huge, like, I'm convinced of it. It's just maybe. I mean, he was mentally unstable. For sure. He was definitely extremely, like, just not right. You know, it's, he, he for sure didn't belong in jail. That was not the right place for him at this stage in his life. He didn't, he didn't have a relationship with his dad anymore or Sylvie. No. So he wasn't talking about Sylvie. No. Okay. No. The, The trial was as much of a spectacle as you'd imagine. He was defended by the, and I find this gen like generous personally, but a lot of the articles said the legendary John Mortimer. That's generous. He's not, he's okay. He defend anybody else to make him legendary? Like we'll get into him a little bit. I kind of went on a okay. research tangent on this, but he was he was defended by the legendary John Mortimer at the actually legendary old Bailey Courthouse. Okay. <laughs> John Mortimer is an English barrister who went on to write the Rumpel and the Bailey novels. Ah. The novels starred English barrister Horace Rumpel. That's so stupid. That's such a stupid name. It sounds <laughs> like fucking Anthony's dad came up with the fucking character name. <laughs> Do you reckon he was from Erdington? Yeah, fucking oh stinky ass Erdington. <laughs> <laughs> Add that to our list of places. Where are we at now? Sweden, Erdington. Where else can get fucked? I feel like we we have a few more. Oh, I I, I love and appreciate everyone who listens from Sweden. I just don't like your government. And everyone from Erdington is awesome, amazing. Anybody listening from Erdington, you guys are the best. But your town stinks. Your town stinks. <laughs> That's all. Your town smells. It's everyone knows this. Yeah, he was most well known for becoming a fixture in the obscenity trials. So for anybody who doesn't know, I didn't really have a full understanding of obscenity law, but basically he, he worked hard to keep books in circulation that were under fire 
for very bullshit reasons like quote conspiracy to corrupt and debauch the moral or is it debauch i think it is debauch the morals of the young in the realm dumb shit like that comic books pulp magazines that and some of the stuff that he uh defended were uh, last exit to brooklyn uh hubert selby jr uh the little red school book soren hansen and jesper jensen and the love that dares to speak its name by james kirkup that's probably the most common one that people would know james kirkup is a very famous author his, his final case before he retired was regarding the use of the word bollocks in the sex pistols album My, uh, never mind the bollocks it's the sex pistols yeah or here's the sex pistols that's what it's called never mind the bollocks here's the sex Pistols. but yeah that was his last case before retiring so uh he was not very good he lost most of his trust <laughs> that's why he was legendary because he was so shit i don't know again i think these novels might have been really popular for a period yeah of time, they made it into a tv him, quote, series as well so legendary oh yeah i don't know anything about forest rumpel solving mysteries at the old or um <laughs> doing shit at the old bailey courthouse which by the way is called the central criminal court uh it's called old bailey because of the street that it's on and fun fact it has a four out of five star rating on google reviews which is weird to me <laughs> like yeah. a review a courthouse it's not like you have your choice of courthouses it's not like anybody's checking <laughs> before they go there but it's got a four out of five this is the best court i've ever been forced to pay my back child support act. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you read the reviews though were they like touristy reviews i suppose they may have been i personally i like the mystery i don't really want to know what the reviewers yeah. have to say i just i want to speculate on why it has four out of five stars fair yeah anyway so some of the most famous cases tried at old bailey were the trials of oscar wilde john christie and peter sutcliffe and i know mm someone here knows who peter sutcliffe is peter sutcliffe uh isn't that like the 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 angel of death guy nope who what is who's that guy what is that who's peter sutcliffe then the yorkshire ripper ah oh wrong guy yeah you thinking kevorkian no no there's a there's a nurse guy that was just like killing oh. people. i thought it was peter sutcliffe i thought that was that guy's name but i guess it's not nah the yorkshire ripper that's cool there are more but those are the three that i knew the names right away what did Oscar Wilde do? Gay stuff? Uh, <laughs> uh, we should get into Oscar Wilde actually on another episode. I'd love to. Loved I love that old shit. The, um, he was quite the, uh, the, the, the scoundrel. Mm, love mm. him. Um, but also gay stuff. So Mortimer attempted to get Anthony extradited back to the U.S. and incarcerated in a mental health facility for treatment. He failed, as he did at most things, because he wasn't actually very good at anything. And Anthony was found guilty of manslaughter and institutionalized in Broadmoor Hospital in Crowthorne, Berkshire, England, where he underwent several forms of daily therapy. Now, fun fact, uh, Broadmoor is the oldest of the high security psychiatric hospitals in England, and was the setting of the Jimmy Seville sexual abuse scandal. Yeah, Broad Broadmoor, we just talked about in, uh, with Jack the Ripper and Private Dicks, because uh, one of the suspects was from there. He escaped. They never found him. He came back 40 years later and was like, I'm old and dying. I just want to die with my friends. <laughs> <laughs> He's just an old man just came back. I escaped here 40 years ago. Can I come back in and die with my friends? Yeah. <laughs> That's really sweet and wholesome, and I'm about to completely steamroll that. 
<laughs> From at least 1968, TV presenter Jimmy Seville worked there on a voluntary basis. And according to the ITV1 documentary Exposure, The Other Side of Jimmy Seville, uh, between 1968 and 2004, he had a full set of personal keys to Broadmoor, which he would use to isolate and sexually abuse the patients of the hospital. Yeah, he was filthy. In total, there were 11 allegations, five of which were definitively proven and two of which he victimized multiple times. Yeah. Yeah. And and all all through his career, just being like, Jimmy would never. And then he dies and everyone went, yeah, he actually did. One of the worst cases ever. Mm-hmm. This guy's a fucking piece of garbage. Disgusting. Jimmy Seville was... And famous beyond his fucking should have been like super famous in fucking England, like should have been fucking stopped way earlier than what he was. He's another one that would be good to get into on unethical, but piece of shit. And I mean, Broadmoor was kind of a breeding ground for perverts aside from Jimmy Seville. Uh, He was king of the perverts, obviously. But in 2002, Broadmoor became male only due to multiple reports of male staff forcing female patients to undress and shower in front of them. Uh, relationships between male staff and female patients and reports of staff allowing male visitors access to the patients. That didn't stop sexual abuse, though. In 2010, a female nurse was criminally charged for having a sexual relationship with a male patient. Nice. Nice. So, I mean... (laughs) This is the... Double standards. I'm sorry. What are the Broadmoor's Google reviews like? Uh, Probably not great. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> probably not she probably didn't even get in trouble that's a double standard that actually bugs me is like women's sexual abusers in power like that don't get in as much trouble as men not even close well that's just it right male teachers that abuse their female students go to jail female teachers that abuse their male students just don't get to teach anymore yeah and they marry then they marry them and have children with them that is that has that's happened. a fucked up story that's a fucked up story that girl yeah it's messed up Yet another unethical story that we should probably do because that one's a funny one. Funny, funny in a weird way. Yeah. But I mean, at the same time, I mean, you look at it, it's like in 2002, like a lot of abuse stopped up until 2010. It's men are definitely the problem most of the time, but females are a problem and we need to hold them to the same level of like punishment. Uh, it shouldn't be a male female thing at all. No. It should be authority, not authority. Abuse they shouldn't is abuse. even look at exactly okay um yeah pardon my research tangent it's time to reintroduce an old friend from the story ms nini daly Anthony's oh, grandmother i thought dickie was coming back no dickie's i mean dickie's i assume still supporting Anthony. maybe not though because brooks isn't really yeah i don't know don't really know much about old cordelia now i think we can all understand like the loves that someone can have for their grandchild objectively because none of us are grandparents here in my opinion it's surprising how hard she rallied for Anthony to be released back into the U.S. and and treated there she called in favors with very influential friends influential friends and family her biggest favor was she got uh, Hugo Money Coots of the Coots Bank Coots uh, to campaign to have Anthony released, which was a huge, huge asset. Uh, he had a lot of connections in Washington. But that being said, I don't know, couldn't find basically anything about Barbara and Nini's relationship after Barbara spread her legs and flew. <laughs> it doesn't sound like it was great to me. She she seemed kind of like everybody else, where she was just kind of like, yeah, she's a lot. I get it. Like, yeah, it's fine. It's okay. Brooks Baiklin, Anthony's dad, he comes into the picture for a bit. Just to say that Anthony should stay right where he is. 
Mm. Not because he's an embarrassment to the family or anything like that. <laughs> Just because in the U.S. he would probably be found guilty and spend life in prison or be put to death. That's all. It's not that I don't want him here because he embarrasses me. But Brooks very quickly backed out of the conversation when Anthony started sending his uh, little itty bitty baby half brother very sweet and morbid gifts that he had made in Broadmoor. Sonnetry medallions. (laughs) (laughs) Very lewd drawings of what he did with his mom. You ever do this with your mom? Made out of, you know, blood and teeth. That's probably what he drew it out of. Morbid. Yeah. Morbid arts and crafts. Yeah. Yeah. So he backed out real quick after that. On July 21st, 1980, less than eight years after Antony, there is a whole bunch in between that with like political bullshit and and lobbying and all this other garbage. And it's boring as shit. And I don't find it interesting. You might, but you can look it up by yourself. Fuck off. I'm not looking into it. On July 21st, 1980, less than eight years after Antony stabbed his mother to death, the campaign was successful, not only in getting Antony repatriated to the US, but released outright. He was released into the care of Nini age 87 in new york this is sounding like Dahmer again Hmm. uh brooks was entirely chapped about this turn of events stating that anthony was quote evil and more than capable of killing again and brooks immediately began his own campaign to have anthony reincarcerated claiming that there was insufficient conditions made for his release and that no one who had evaluated him had any idea of what he was truly capable of Brooks wouldn't either. He was never fucking there, but okay. Anyway, uh, he didn't have to campaign super long, though. He probably just, like, just got off the hold with, uh, like, trying to speak to the president or some shit. But uh, we can rest easy, basically. So, basically, Brooks is a dickhead. All right. Anthony went on to live a very normal life with Nini until she died a natural death shortly after Anthony married a very nice man the love of his life and they grew old together and psych that absolutely did not fucking happen. i was gonna say i'm pretty sure he probably molested grandma but maybe not oh, well it's less smiled and she shook her head like i was right again god damn it immediately after his release anthony allegedly began demanding nini have sex with him to stave off his case of the gays uh he also built a very disturbing shrine to his dead mother on which he placed her ashes and whispered sweet satanic phrases to them into the wee hours of the morning and began having explosive unpredictable outbursts is that is that an article from 1980 saying satanic phrases or was he actually saying satanic phrases like that i just fucking the the anti-satanicness of the fucking 1980s can suck a dick (laughs) you might be right it was 1980 that he yeah. did this so could have certainly been satanic panic yeah i i don't think he was saying satan things i think that's what they're just saying because he was fucking insane i did say allegedly no no i know i'm just saying i just i want to put it out there that uh no satanists are taking their fucking parents ashes and putting them in an altar and saying satanic things that's not how you do it you kill a goat okay uh, <laughs> yeah and then you snort the ashes exactly yeah, exactly like yeah. a man come on your parents weird he lived with Nini a grand total of six days. <laughs> On day six, July 27th, 1980, Anthony wanted to make a phone call to England, which Nini refused. Uh, Anthony left the room for a minute or two and came back brandishing a kitchen knife, mm. which he used to stab his grandmother a total of eight times before police, who had been alerted to the screaming arguments, 
minutes before, burst through the door. Uh, as they came into the room, Antony shouted, she won't die! As the bleeding and broken 87-year-old grandma lay on the floor yelling like a banshee. Now, that is the only reason that I think he may not have actually intended to kill his mother. Because he couldn't kill her with eight stab wounds. So I don't think he actually has any fucking idea where the heart is. I, I think I think that proves the opposite. I think he knew his mom was dead and was happy about it and didn't yell like, oh, she won't die. Because he, he just thought he could do it as easy as he did with his mom. And since he didn't, he had to stab eight times and went, fuck, she's not dying like my mom did. That was easier. Yeah, no, I get that. But I mean, like the 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 it, it's one not shot as calculated with the mom. Yeah, I don't think that was actually as calculated. I think it was just lucky. Yeah. I just think when you're getting when you're like 87 years old, things are sagging, including your heart. So like he probably stabbed too too high, <laughs> and he didn't understand things were sagging. 87 year old should have aimed for the stomach, mate. You would have got it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Her nipple was like down by the hip and it like fucked him up. Yeah. He was like, oh man, I don't know where up down, up down. We're supposed sure. to CPR between the nipples. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> the disgusted look Celeste gave me with that joke was perfect. <laughs> it was I'm sorry. I pardon me with my not saggy heart. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so in custody, Anthony said two incredibly messed up things. One, predictably, was that he was all pent up because she wouldn't have sex with him. And uh, apparently consent was super important to him. Uh, Second was that he felt it was kinder to simply kill her than force her to keep living with him. Well, he's he's not wrong there. I have good news, though. Nini survived. Oh, Oh, good good on you, Nini. What? (laughs) Hell yeah. Because he was just stabbing her in the chest cavity that had nothing in it. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense, right? All her organs is No, I guess her what, like her teeth would be there. Yeah, pretty soft. Yeah, yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Gravity, right? So suddenly, all of the influential people that stood behind Anthony after the murder of Barbara were like, "All right, fool me once, Anthony," and they dipped. So he was held in Rikers Island, New York. Uh, don't fret though he's still rich and white which allowed him his choice of male lovers and bodyguards um he had a few enemies though too make no mistake but he was living the high life for a while anthony's life sentence was shorter than many he actually died in prison on march 20th 1981 who's been paying attention how long after how long after what less than a year yeah how long after he was released into the custody of his grandma like six months maybe nine months yeah nine months after being released into nini's care he was found at 3 30 p.m shortly after arriving back to his cell from a court appearance at which he was confident he would be granted bail anthony was assessed by several psychiatric professionals in attempts to be allowed bail before trial but the delay in getting his medical records from Broadmoor over in the UK meant that he would continue to be held and time was counting down until the trial. Yeah, I, I, I imagine American prison is a little bit more tough than UK prison. And especially if you're stabbing your grandma, mm-hmm. I imagine you're getting fucked up the second you get into jail. No, he was doing OK because he's rich. He was doing all right. Mm hmm. To, until like someone goes like i want your pudding pop too and he's like fuck you i'm rich and then they get stabbed you know what i mean like but he had bodyguards okay the bodyguards killed him who killed him nobody killed him 
He just died? No. Oh, I'm just dumb. Okay, so his cause of death, Richard. He was suffocated by the very material that made his great-grandfather a rich man (laughs) and cursed his descendants into a life of the fuckery of the rich, a plastic bag. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Comma, Mike. Comma. It's unclear whether his death was suicide or murder. The bag had been wrapped tightly around Antony's neck, but there were no signs that he was restrained or that he made any attempt to remove it. Hey, you fucking tough now, plastic boy, huh? You little bitch, you want a plastic boy? Fuck, here's a plastic for you, you little piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Dead. The end. (laughs) Newspapers publicized that it was suicide, and ultimately that's the conclusion that the investigators reached to. That's the end of Anthony Bakeland's Brooks' uh, final thought upon hearing of the death of his eldest son was that Anthony was, quote, an enormous failure of intelligence. Oh, wow. Couldn't even use, you couldn't even uh, live up to our plastic dynasty. Yeah. What did you do with your money, dude? You stole your son's girlfriend. Yeah, that's true. You, yeah, I'm sorry. Gross. What did you do with your intelligence, man? You stole your son's girlfriend. The one thing keeping him from fucking his mom and trying to fuck his grandma. Good job. <laughs> So at the end of the day, this is all Brooks Bakeland's fault. Do you think it's Brooks? Yeah. You think Brooks sent like bring this plastic bag to kill my son with, and he hired some goon to like make a make a plastic po- like kill out of him. Poetic you know? justice. Sure. Yeah. Brooks yeah. Bakeland put out a hit. Yeah, with a plastic bag. It must be done with plastic. Like, how do you mean, sir? Just like any type of plastic. Choke on it. I don't care. A plastic bag good enough? I don't give a shit. Just kill <laughs> with plastic. Yeah. Yeah. Well. That's the story. It's another wonderful tale of mom and son incest. Aww. Brought Yay. to you by that that had a lot of twists and turns, and I loved it. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't necessarily love the fact that his mom and him were banging and everything, but uh no. I do like I do like how Nini survived. That that's yeah. happy. Yes, she was a hot that ass. Nice. Yeah, those finally the saggy organs come into <laughs> like handy, you know. I mean, she started all of the like crazy mental illness being handed down, but yet outlived her daughter and grandson. So like that says a lot. That and also she groomed Barbara to basically look for just the richest man, not one that would be at all helpful to her. Mm -hmm. Right. State, Right. So, I mean, she's not perfect. Nobody is in this story. I mean, if we had to pick one person that was perfect, I guess it would be like. Dickie. Yeah, no, because Dickie introduced her to Brooks. Did um, they have a pet? Did they have a dog? <laughs> <laughs> no, he would have eviscerated that too. Uh, right, yeah. Oh, right, wrong. so they probably did have a dog once. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, the, the Broadmoor Asylum is the hero of today. Bush of the Week, Broadmoor Asylum. <laughs> no, I don't know. Maybe we should give um, Bush of the Week to Guipo. He was cool. Jimmy Seville, push of the week. Uh, <laughs> no, Jimmy, get the fuck out. <laughs> uh, who who are we giving the bow? Is that what you said? No, Senor Guipo, the science people. Oh yeah, Guipo. Yeah, fuck yeah. You yeah, get the that physicist. He can have it. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck. 
spicy fucking weird feet but huge bush huge <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Unethical Podcast. If you're not in the Facebook group, stop being such a silly goose and come find us at Unethical, the official unethical podcast group. If you find you just can't handle the anticipation until the next episode, then it's a great time to join our Patreon, where we have a ton of extra unethical content. And of course, our brother podcast, Private Dicks. And in case you didn't hear the good news, Private Dicks is now Public Dicks. Every two weeks, an episode of season one will drop wherever you eat your podcasts, and our lucky Patreon patrons are literally living in the future, listening to new episodes from season two. On the fence about it, have a listen to the trailer and see what you think. If you've got a case, big or small, give the private dicks a call. And yes, the phone number is real. Enjoy! Have you got a mystery that needs solving? Where is Amelia Earhart? We know. Who the hell was D.B. Cooper? Bah, easy. Bermuda Triangle? Probably solve that one next. Here at Private Dicks, we guarantee a mystery solved every episode. That's with a capital G. Every second Friday, the Private Dicks take a client, record their session, and solve the world's greatest mysteries. One by one. Private Dicks solve them, no problem. God, I love just crushing mysteries. Search up Private Dicks on your favorite podcatcher and you can solve a mystery too. The mystery of what's your favorite podcast? It's Private Dicks. Another one solved. If you have a mystery to be solved, call 1-855-PRVTDIX. That's 1-855-PRIVATE-DICKS. Call 1-855-PRIVATE-DICKS and leave us the rundown of the case. Maybe the dicks will solve it. It's 855-PRIVATE-DICKS. Because I'm straight when it comes to humans, but fucking gay from old people.